Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, tell your neighbor, whoever's sitting near you, you picked a great day to come together. Just tell them right now. Just look at them. Just tell them. You picked a great day. Tell them you picked a great day. I don't care if you're at one of the campuses live or, or if you're at 12 Stone Home or if you're part of the online community just kind of stepping in. Picked a great day. Because we not only celebrated communion, which is one of the sacraments, today we're going to celebrate baptism. And you may not know this, but, but God may even draw you in today. You picked a great day. Now you, But you may doubt me. So it's a great day to be. You might doubt it. In fact, let's just ask the question. I'll put it on the screen. How many of you have ever doubted something? Hands up everywhere. How many of you? Of course you have. In fact, let me, let me just run through some things because it's kind of in our nature. I'm going to give you an economic forecast. Gas and food prices are going to literally drop in half tomorrow. Any doubters? Everybody? Let me try another one. One dollar can buy a Formula One race team. See, not only are prices, gas and food prices going to drop in half, but one buck can buy an F1 Formula race team. By the way, I, I like Red Bull racing, and I'm happy that Ferrari is rising to the top, and I'm delighted that Mercedes is struggling. But you're not asking. What we're asking is, because a dollar buy an F1, how many doubt that? Well, I know how he's good. That's a $1.3 billion race team. I mean, let me try another one. Jesus was and is almighty God in human flesh. This isn't just words about God. This is the word of God. We live in a world, I doubt that. Yeah, nah, I don't think so. There's another one. Honoring God first and saving second is financial freedom. Oh, I mean, man, I, you want to be financially free? Just get, your, just get your money set right and figure out how to honor God first and then save and then... Ah, bunch of doubt on that. Oh, here's another one. Marriage is most fulfilling when you put your spouse before yourself. Man, that sounds good, but really... I have a favorite and the most expensive leather bag I've ever owned in my life. And Marsha drove over it <laughs> with the SUV. It's true. Let me show you a picture. Those are just two of the multiple tire marks that are permanently ingrained in my precious. So this is her favorite Yeti. <laughs> and I drove over it. No joke, I did. Don't doubt me on that. This is what an SUV does to a Yeti. Hey, baby, you drive over my stuff, I drive over yours. How do you like that? That's how we roll. Or is it? Well, let's keep going. Dunking in water can heal disease like leprosy. Seriously? Just a little bit of water? Water can do that? Or, 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 or a different kind, dunking. 
dunking in water baptism. Just water is defining for your soul. Come on, what difference? Is that? Really? A lot of doubt. Here's one for you. Crumble cookie is one of the five best chocolate chip cookies on the planet. You might not know this, but it's true. Oh, but my grandma's cookies. Okay, it might be true. But I want you to look at this. Can you feel the holy moment? My daughter introduced me to crumble cookies, which I'm really sad about. Why did you do that to me? Yeah. How many of you love chocolate chip cookies? Like, you love chocolate. Okay. I will give five. I, I personally, get five people walk up here. Just five people. Beat up your neighbor. Five people. Five people. One, two, precious three, four, five. Okay. Get back to your seat. Open it up and give some to your neighbor. Right now, just go ahead and eat some cookie. And, and, and tell me that you still doubt because when that goes in your mouth, it's a happy dance. It's what it does. In fact, in fact, I, I, I so enjoy them, which I'm not supposed to, but I so enjoy them that today I, I just I, w- I went and bought crumble cookie gift cards, ten dollar gift cards. And if you get baptized today, I can't give you a cake. It's your spiritual birthday. It's a celebration. You're going to get one of those so you can buy two cookies. Just, just, that's how weird I am. I want to celebrate with you. That'll be awesome, great fun. Now, we live in a world of doubt. And today, we're going to talk about doubt. In fact, we're going to talk to and through this subject of doubt. And we're going to tap into a New Testament story, experience of Jesus that was surrounded with doubt, and then he takes us into an Old Testament story about doubt. And there's a question, and let's just get to the question. We all have doubt. We all have what, everybody? We all have doubt. So what do you do about it? We all have doubt. What do you do about it? And here's the answer. Discover what's truly sacred. Discover what's truly sacred. And then what, everybody? Devote yourself to it. Now I want to hear you loud wherever you are, campus live. I want you, I'll pause, you fill in the blank. I want to make sure we're on the same page. Here's the answer. Discover, you have to discover this, what's truly what? Sacred. You got to discover what's truly sacred. God defines it for us. And then do what? Devote. Do what? Devote yourself to it. Now when you hear that answer, you might think, and maybe it hits you soft. But this, this is like a really good hot wing. It might hit you soft and light at the beginning, but as it sits there for a while, it eventually just gets on fire, good on fire. Before we're done, sacred and devote, I hope will just light up your faith. Jesus went back to Nazareth. He was in his early 30s. He's now a rabbi. He was recognized as a miracle man. And Nazareth was his hometown. So when he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, he read from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61. And the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news. And on the passage goes. When he gets done, he rolls up the scroll, sets it down, and sits to teach. And when he teaches, he says, now this is being fulfilled in your very presence. Here's what he's saying. The presence and the power of God is now among you. You know what they said? I doubt it. (laughs) 
I mean, isn't this guy, Jesus, isn't this the son of Joseph, not the son of God? And here the living God is with, listen, you can be in the presence and in the midst of the power of God and not notice. Your, your doubt will be enough to miss it. And then Jesus, in that moment of teaching, throws back to an Old Testament story. Here's what he says in Luke 4. He's throwing back. There were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet none of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. And that ticked him off. Do you know why it ticked him off? Because a non-Jew, the Jews were God's chosen people, and a non-Jew, eight, nine hundred years ago, was the only one healed the leprosy. Listen, tons of people had a mess in their life. Tons of Israelites had misery in their life. They were desperate for God, but the presence and the power of God desired to do more for them than their doubt would let God do. And Jesus is saying, listen, there's doubt right here among you. When I demonstrate and when I prove that I am the Messiah, this isn't new. This was happening way back here. So, there is more. There is more of God's presence and power to be had. And he desires to grant it in the midst of our mess and misery. And yet, you could miss out. Naaman experienced doubt, but he experienced profound healing as he worked through the doubt. That is the next story in the Jesus Storybook Bible. We've been sitting this for some weeks. We've got a few weeks left in this, and I had to tighten the story. So Naaman was a commander for the king of Aram. He was incredibly successful. Sad part of the story, honestly, is his wife had a servant who was kidnapped, young teenage girl, Israelite. And so how difficult on her. And yet in the midst of that, she wanted to see Naaman healed. So she tells him of a prophet named Elisha, where the God of Israel can heal through this prophet. And Naaman is in such a mess and such misery. Listen, he's conquered so many things. He's conquered countries. But this he cannot conquer. Just stay here for me. There might be many things that you're conquering in your life right now. Maybe you're conquering in business. Maybe you're conquering financially. Maybe you're conquering in your marriage or with one or two of your kids. Or maybe it's in sports or finance. Maybe you're conquering some area of your life. But it's likely that some area of your life is conquering you. That's where your mess is. That's where your misery is. That's what's humbling. And it's often the thing that's conquering you that causes you to finally humble yourself and come to God. This humbled Naaman and caused him to come to God. So when he heard, he came. Let's look at the story from the Jesus Storybook Bible. I want Naaman to get well, she said to her mistress. There's a man in Israel called Elisha who can heal him. I'll go, said Naaman, loading up his wagons and putting on his flashing armor. But I'll go to the palace because that's where someone important like me gets healed. So he hurried off to Israel and went straight to the king. My healing, please, he announced. Oh, I can do lots of things, the king replied, but only God can heal. 
Just then a message from Elisha arrived. Send Naaman here, it read. So Naaman hurried off to Elisha's house, but Elisha didn't even come out and greet him. He just sent a servant instead. Doesn't Elisha realize who I am? Naaman thought. But what the servant said next made him even crosser. Wash in there, he said. Just wash, Naaman laughed. In that slimy, stinky river, he looked around to see if it was some kind of a joke. It wasn't. Any person can wash in a river, he thought. I am Naaman. I am important. I should do something important so God will heal me. And off. He rode off in rage. Of course, you and I both know that's not how God does things. All Naaman needed was nothing. It was the one thing Naaman didn't have. God knew that Naaman was even sicker on the inside than he was on the outside. Naaman was proud. He thought he didn't need God. His heart didn't work properly. It couldn't feel anything. You see, Naaman had leprosy of his heart. God was not only going to heal Naaman's skin, he was going to heal his pride. It's a fascinating story. It's curious that Naaman was willing to just walk away. All this effort to get there. All the effort you make to get to places where God is. And then when the opportunity of his presence and power comes, how out of pride, out of doubt, we walk away. Well, let's get deeper in the story. Back to the question. We all have doubt, so what do you do about it? Discover what's truly sacred. First, part one, discover what's truly sacred. Let's have a little chat about what's sacred. You have to discover it. See, there were things that were sacred to Naaman. One of the things that was sacred to Naaman was influence. He was a person of great influence. So he could go to the king of Aram. He could go to the king of Israel. And he got ushered to Elisha's presence. See, he got to all the important people. We have things that are sacred to, it, to us. And one of them is our own importance. And when Elisha didn't even come out of the house and acknowledge him with honor, this was just offensive to him. Because, well, honor and influence is sacred. His affluence was sacred. The money, he, he brought with him 750 pounds of silver, which, by the way, is roughly $300,000 in today's market, 150 pounds of gold, which is worth about $4.6 This is what he brought to kind of purchase his healing. So he brought great wealth, and he look at me, and richly ornamented clothes. He, looked, he knew what was sacred. You know what was else was sacred to him? His worldview. His what? Worldview. Oh, his beliefs were sacred to him. See, in that time, they knew that, believed that there were multiple gods, polytheistic, many gods. And that there would be a God over their territory. And so their territory was a blessed territory. They were superior even to Israel. So therefore their God is superior. And that they knew the two most important things that God did. Is God blessed your ground and God blessed your water. 
in the agricultural environment. These were the evidence of the blessing of God. So the ground was sacred and the water was sacred because your God was sacred. And those interwove. And so for Naaman to understand the size of what's about to happen next, for him, his God is sacred. The ground of his homeland and his country is sacred. The water in his homeland and country is sacred. And so, so Naaman shows up. And what, <laughs> what he intends to do is a transaction. A what? A, tra a transaction. He's just coming for a transaction. He's not going to change what, he, what is sacred or is anything in his devotion. Listen, this is, he's coming with all that silver and gold and change of clothes. You know what he's doing? He's coming. He's, it's like you would go to the doctor. And when you go to the doctor, you'd be like, hey, doc, uh, help me out. And then you write him a check. You give him, him or her some money. And you're like, thank you very much. You, you, wouldn't you think it odd? Let's say you're a, a, a Christian. And you go to your doctor. And your doctor is an atheist. And before the doctor gives you any medication or any help, that doctor says, you must worship like I worship and believe like I believe in order for me to help you. You would think, well, that's offensive and odd. If you're an atheist and you go to a doctor and him or her is a Christian and they say, I'll be happy to help you. I got some medication. But before you do, you have to worship like I worship, believe like I believe. You'd find it offensive. You were just coming for a transaction. Listen, Naaman is just showing up. He wants a transaction. Look, I will give you silver and gold, and I will buy this little magical God thing that you have over here that apparently can heal leprosy. That'll be awesome. But what Naaman asked him to do was to dunk seven times in the Jordan. And remember, the ground and the water, that's sacred stuff connected to God's. And so for him to go dunk in the water is to bow to the idea that the God of Israel is sacred and this water is sacred. Listen, it was not only offensive to his pride that Elisha didn't come out. It was offensive to his beliefs. He wanted to make a transaction. God was inviting an exchange of devotion. See, what you call sacred, your influence, your resources, your, your little beliefs that you've made up and you call sacred, that stuff goes to the wayside. You want to be healed, you acknowledge that the God of Israel is sacred and therefore he makes that water sacred. Now you understand something of the weight of his response because this would be treasonous. And look what scripture says. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely, that is Elisha, come out to me. Surely he's going to come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot. Cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better? Are they what? I couldn't hear you. Are they what? Aren't they more sacred? Isn't the water I'm familiar with where my God reigns, where my belief sits, sits in my worldview, aren't the things I call sacred more sacred than this silly stuff? Aren't they better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. Isn't it curious? God was willing to grant more of his presence and power. And Naaman got stubborn. How many of you know stubborn people? How many of you sit next to one? How many of you know that they're sitting next to one? 
That was a long way to get to you, wasn't it? When God reveals what's sacred, what do you do? Do you get stubborn or do you surrender? For Naaman's sacred was dunking seven times in the Jordan. Hey, one of the many things that are sacred now, by the way, that wasn't a forerunner to baptism, but one of the things that are sacred is baptism. You come to faith in Jesus. You dunk in the water. Oh, I doubt that matters. Jesus said it did. If you're a follower of Christ, have you been baptized? Or is that just stubborn? You just start moving through scripture. See, sometimes it takes a spiritually sensible conversation from someone else to expose your stubbornness. Look what happened. Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? That makes so much sense, doesn't it? Like, why wouldn't you? If this God is greater, bow. If this is sacred water, Dunk. If this is sacred ground, honor. You came here with your mess and misery. If this is the living God, move past your doubt and take a dunk. (laughs) So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God. The man of who? God. I told him, and his flesh was restored, became clean like that of a young boy. Just on the count of three, everybody say, with some degree of passion, yay, God. Ready? One, two, three. Yay, God. Isn't that fantastic? I mean, you knew that. You know that blew his mind and everybody else's. Yay, God. So here's a thought. What if devotion conquers doubt? Just sit in it a minute. What if devotion conquers doubt? See, the water did not heal Naaman. God did. But getting in the water was an act of obedience and devotion. And that unlocked. Naaman's act of devotion in the face of uncertainty Free God up. See, devotion is drawing near God. And when you draw near God, what if that's what dissolves doubt? You know, doubt is uncertainty. Everybody has it. What if it's not the absence of Doubt. What if you're like, oh, every, nobody else has doubt. Everybody has doubt. How many people have ever doubted anything in their lives? Hands up again. Everybody. Okay, here we go. Anybody ever have had doubts in the faith, doubts in the journey? Doubt? Yeah, of course you have. The question is not if you have uncertainty. Listen, the question is in the midst of your uncertainty, what do you devote yourself to? Ooh. 
in the midst of your uncertainty, you're devoting yourself to something. What are you devoting yourself to? Look at Proverbs 3, 5 to 8 in the GNT version. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. In other words, your understanding. Remember the Lord is in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. Never let yourself think that you are wiser than you are. Simply obey the Lord, there's devote, and refuse to do wrong. If you do, if you do, it will be like good medicine, healing your wounds and easing your pains. Does this say when God answers all your questions, then trust him? No, all your questions aren't answered. Trust him. You're not trusting your understanding. Does this mean you understand all things and then you trust God? No, it means you don't understand all things, so you trust God. Otherwise, you have to trust yourself for somebody else. We all do something in the midst of our uncertainty. What if, what if devotion conquers doubt? What if when God design, defines sacred things, all he's waiting for you, for you to do is surrender? And we so often choose stubborn. And the thing that unlocks and dissolves doubt is devotion. Be devoted to sacred things. Let's read on in Naaman's story. Now, Naaman goes back to Elisha humbly, offering gifts and then a request. Please let me, your servant, be given as much earth, insert dirt, as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. That brings us to the second point. Um, you know, discover what's sacred and devote yourself to it. So let's just devote yourself, devote, devote yourself to it. Which captivates me is Naaman figured out what was sacred and devoted himself to it. Hang on, maybe you missed it. It seems weird. He asked for dirt as much as two mules. You only had two mules left to carry stuff. And it's about 400 pounds of dirt. He came with silver and gold. He went home with what? Dirt. Does that seem odd to anyone? <gasps> silver, gold. Hey, can I have as much dirt as possible? And he goes on to say, why? See, he figured out that God is sacred, and therefore whatever God asks is sacred, and that God made the water sacred, and therefore this ground must be sacred, and I must be standing on holy ground. And because I'm standing on holy ground, can I have as much dirt as I can carry? Because I'm going to take it back home. And in the place of where I used to worship, I'm going to put this ground. And I'm going to devote myself to worship only the God who is sacred. As soon as you figure out what's sacred, devote yourself to it. In other words, change what this world calls sacred what God calls sacred. And this has to get personal. You know, I don't know what it means for it to get personal for you, but I can illustrate things that God has made sacred. I come from a broken home. 
come from a poor family, wasn't well um, informed in my growing up years or trained. And in all of that, you can end up with not knowing what's sacred. I married a really amazing woman from a great family, but she did not marry an amazing man from a great family. This broken family messes up how you understand marriage. And, you know, to me in marriage, you drive over their stuff if they drive over your stuff. I mean, that's what you do. By the way, the true story, we really did drive over each other's stuff. But the real story, how it happened, we were going to the cabin. I laid my stuff behind the SUV in the garage, and I was getting more stuff and was going to come back and back it out. So it was just laying there, and I was going to put it in the back. She decided to be helpful, so she went out and she backed out the SUV. Thank God it just missed my computer that was inside the bag. But she didn't do it on purpose. She was actually being helpful. When we got to the cabin, I pushed the button to open the automatic gate, and we did not hear her Yeti roll out and then under the wheel. And then a couple hours later, when we went for dinner, we heard this thing happen, and it was all entirely on accident. So as funny as it is, we harass each other. Drive over my stuff, I'll drive over yours. But that's not really what we believe. We don't think that's sacred. We think what's sacred is selflessness in marriage. And listen, I watched a family dissolve in divorce. And if you drive over each other's stuff on purpose, that's why your marriage doesn't work. God made marriage sacred, and sacred is selflessness. You put the other person first. That's how marriage actually works. So God had to make that stuff convictional in us. I didn't know how to manage money. My first job in ministry uh, I made $12,000 a year in 1982. That was big bucks, life-changing, $1,000 a month. We ended up in $20,000 in college debt back then, but I made $1,000 a month, and we asked ourselves, well, since Jesus is Almighty God, and the Bible is God's Word, and that's what defines sacred, I don't know how to manage money, because the way I learned to manage money is... You reward yourself, well done, you reward yourself by buying whatever you want. So every time I made a buck, I spent a buck. But when we study God's Word, we found out that money's not sacred. How you handle money is sacred. And that if it's from God and for God, then the first, ah, oh, 10% goes to him don't have to. I figured out if I don't trust him as my provider, then I trust me, and it's all on me. Figure out who you worship and honor him first. That became sacred. We have never given less than 10% of every dollar we make for coming on 40 years. And I look back over 40 years, and I'd do it again. You have to figure out what's sacred and devote yourself to it. And devote means you do it, you do it, you do it, you do it, you do it. Because that's what's sacred. That's what God can bless. And then savings. 10, 10, 80. The second 10, save. I always thought you reward yourself by spending all you have. And then figured out that is not freedom. Get money to work for you. Foolish people spend everything and then are under pressure all the time. Wise people honor God, 
Put something away to work for yourself and then live on the next 80. It doesn't even matter. The next 80 is your lifestyle. Well, what can I afford? Whatever is 80%. Now, it took us 15, 20 years to figure out how to, because many times we got into spending 85 and 90% and we've battled. This was the goal, 10, 10, 80. By the time we got there, we live financially free. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. But you got to figure out what's sacred. Huh. Prayer. Prayer is sacred. See, living in a world of pressure, economic pressure, gas prices going up, food prices going up, inflation. Did you know that in 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7, right after the story we read, that Samaria, Israel was under great economic inflation? They were under siege. And they said, this is horrible, and where's God? And Elisha prays, and, and he says, the next day, everything's going to cut in half. The equivalent of gas prices will drop in half, food prices will drop. And they said, that's impossible. In fact, one guy connected the king said, it will never happen even if God himself did. And he said, well, guess what? Just because you just doubted God, you'll watch it happen, and then you'll die. And the guy did. The next day, God defeated Aram. They left all their plunder. Israel rushed out, and they were so wealthy, everything cut in half. Listen, it is no big deal when you say something. It is a big deal when God says it. And when you pray, it moves things in heaven to move things on earth. Be a person of prayer. Trust in God's ability to graciously move in his presence. How are you doing these days praying? Water. What can water do? Well, Naaman would tell you. If God says, uh, dunk in it seven times, it's sacred. Do it. Jesus says, baptize. Well, it's sacred. You do it. Look at Matthew 28. Look what the scripture says. In Matthew 28, Jesus came to his disciples right at the end. And the 11 showed up on the mountain where he told them to gather. And when they gathered, the next verse says, and some doubted. Some what? And we don't even know what the nature of that doubt was. And then it says, Jesus asked them to devote themselves to what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptizing them. I'm sorry, what was that word? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why do you do it? Because Jesus called it sacred. What is it? It is an outward sign of an inward work. Paul describes it this way, being buried with him in baptism, you're laid back under the water in baptism, so you're being buried with Christ because in Christ's sacrifice through his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead, he conquered sin and death. When you're baptized, you're laid back in the water, and that moment of position, you are buried with Christ. Symbolically, the water represents cleansing, the cleansing that comes from the blood of Jesus Christ. So bury, cleanse, and rise. When you come up out of the water, you're rising to new life. Why do we do this? Because Jesus said it's sacred. If you follow Christ, that's your next move. Now, could you buy an F1 racing team for a dollar? Well, of course not. Curiously, though, Red Bull did. In 2005, they paid $1 for the race team. $1. By the way, that wasn't the only contract. If you looked at it in detail, the $1 was symbolic. The vow was to devote $400 million over the next three years. Listen, 
Many of us see a baptism and think of it as meaningless like a dollar. But when somebody is baptized, what they're really doing is they're vowing. They go invest the equivalent of 400 million of obedience to God. That's how you get a life of value. It is not merely a transaction. It's a devotion. I don't know what the Spirit of God will stir in you. I don't know where in your life you have gotten stubborn. And God says surrender. But for some, baptism is one of those places. I'll let the Holy Spirit move where he wants in your life. But I'll acknowledge that baptism is one of the places and it's where we're going today. So we're going to have no excuse Sunday for baptism. Which means if you come to faith in Christ, get baptized. Some of you are prepared. Some of you are not. Some of you said, like, I'm going to get ready. So I'm going to read a couple stories. And we're just going to get kind of warmed up. Every time I get done reading a story, you say, yay, God. You say what? Yay, God. Everywhere, you just say, yay, God. And then we're going to experience one life. And then we're going to open the doors, so to speak. We're all going to go outside and experience it together. Now, listen. Some of you came prepared. Some of you did not. And the Spirit of God is going to tell you, get baptized. Let me read through some stories quickly because this is profound. Six months ago, Chad and Katie were invited to 12 Stone. Chad had some questions about parenting. And Pastor Steve gave him a Jesus Storybook Bible, which they began to read as a family. Then into the New Year series on Easter weekend, Chad and Katie with their eight-year-old son Jackson came forward to receive Jesus. Today, Chad and Katie are being baptized at Buford campus, and they will be taking Jackson through Faith FAQ to help him understand faith and Jesus in order to prepare him for his future baptism. Yay, God? Yeah. Mike went to church as a boy, but turned on any faith in God at 11 when his father died of a brain tumor. As he grew into adulthood, he took to alcohol to cope with the anger. And after a divorce earlier this year, he attended our Flowery Branch campus where his sister and brother-in-law attend. On Easter, he came to faith in Jesus, was spiritually born again. In his words, I feel peace for the first time in my life. He's being baptized today. Yay, God. Yay, God. Hannah. Hannah drifted from fully following Jesus after marrying her husband. They began attending 12 Stone Online during the pandemic. She renewed her commitment to follow Jesus as part of growing in their faith. They eventually decided to lead a 12 Stone home gathering at the CrossFit gym and invite their friends. Hannah is being baptized today at her 12 Stone home gathering. Yay, God. Yay, God. Trent was brought up in church, but walked away from faith for many years. He's been attending the Snellville campus. And this last year, he really began exploring what following Jesus would look like as an adult. He said yes to Jesus and is being baptized today at Snellville to go public with his decision. Yay, God. Yay, God. Susan attends our central campus and is a recovering alcoholic, having now been sober for two years. She's been on the fence in her faith during that time, but God has awakened her to himself, and she's being baptized today to honor Jesus as her Savior and Lord. Yay, God. Yay, God. Caden is a young man who attends our student ministry in Brazelton. His friends have been praying for him for two years to come to Jesus. Then last winter, he attends a student retreat, starts exploring faith and meeting to understand the Bible through the book of Mark. And on Easter, he came forward to give his life to Christ and is being baptized at Brazelton today. Yay, God. Yay, God. I'll call him Alan. I'll just give him the name Alan to honor his journey. In 2021, he called himself an atheist. Still close friend brought him to a weekend service and he came again and again and again and even met the campus pastor and commented I don't believe any of this stuff about Jesus but I'm kind of overwhelmed by how much I like it 
On Easter Sunday, he walked past his doubt, came forward, asked Jesus to forgive him, restore him to God the Father, and he is a new creation. And guess what his next move is? Baptism. Yay, God? Listen. My prayer partner yesterday when we were at prayer time said, why did it take me so long? I've walked with the Lord for years and wasn't baptized. What took me so long? And he and I prayed that you would. See, some of you have been walking with God and you've been stubborn on baptism. Today's your day. We've prepared. We've got clothes for you to change into. Your campus pastor will give you details. Some of you have come to Christ in the pandemic in recent months or weeks or Easter. This is your day. We're all going to go outside. We're going to celebrate. By the way, what do you do if you're not being baptized? Get your kids out there and everybody see one life. Everybody see one life. And as you drive your kids home, you explain. See, baptism is being buried with Christ, being cleansed by the water and rising to new life. And I look forward to yours someday, son, daughter. So, what does a baptism really look like? Well, campus pastor Michael, let's just have a moment with LaDonna. So let's celebrate, and then I'll turn it to the campus pastors. Michael. Hey, church, this is Jadonna. And Jadonna, you know how much my family loves you. I told my daughter, and she jumped off the couch and was like, really? She's getting baptized. So Jadonna, I know all the answers to the questions I'm about to ask you, but I want the world to know. So Jadonna, have you trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. And you commit to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. And it is by your profession of faith, my sister, to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.